1: Chase Thomas podcast, the Chase Thomas podcast,
2: (laughs) Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I
1: hate, I already hate it. I hate it.
2: All right. It's Thursday. So, you know, we are doing college football on this very podcast, the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I'm joined as I am every Thursday night by my good friend, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green, down there in tequila georgia matt good evening sir how are you good evening sir
1: i know it's it's such an inside joke that i feel like i can't even say it but every time you say it's thursday i just it reminds me of the georgia state thing every time just like every day is thursday let's go thurs but i'm just alienating i'm alienating the entire uh the entire audience because no one even knows that joke
2: I mean, I think there's some people that, that know that joke. I, I I just wonder how many Georgia State students even know that joke yeah, that's or, pro- or know that it was Thursday and that kind of thing. Okay, every day is Thursday down, uh, I don't know, what what
1: do they call it? Like down the flats like Georgia Tech? They, do they call it, do they have a name like that for Georgia State? I don't even know. Down,
2: you're asking the wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back to you on that one. Do some deep dive in, in your week. I mean, you were the guy who worked at the College Football Hall of Fame. You should you should be more attuned to what the college football hotbed that is Georgia State and Panthersville is calling their their football facility. That's true. the
1: uh, The Tennessee Vol fans should know all about the powerhouse that is uh, Georgia State Panthers.
2: Was that necessary? <laughs> hey,
1: you're always taking jabs, man. I gotta I gotta get them in where I can.
2: When have I ever? Taking what you consider a jab on this very podcast—that oh. sounds extremely out of character. Always, every time, uh, every time UGA, Kirby
1: Smart, whenever you can throw that in in my face. Well, to be fair,
2: I it just means more, you know. It does just mean more, but also, you're you're a football school, like we're a baseball school. It's just prime <laughs> you can't hurt me right now. <laughs> we're top five in the country, going toe to toe with Arkansas, e- and then you look at your program down south foley field where friend of the pod logan booker announced the full capacity uh experience back at georgia this week in the first one in like two years here is the thing no one cares because your program stinks and you're not a top five program that lindsey nelson was rocking last weekend it is crazy We have mlb talent everywhere with uh dayton moore's kid out there for arkansas just Pushing Arkansas, the number one college baseball team. Well, and I feel in- like when you look at the rankings, limits. Georgia's like consistently will be like
1: in the top twenty, and then they're like the the tenth ranked team in the SEC. The SEC is just loaded in baseball. But I was gonna say, are you gonna um, are you gonna give the listeners a little taste of that video you sent me celebrating that walk off win by uh by the Volunteers? Or is, I don't know what you're talking. about. <laughs> I'm not even sure what I watched. That was a. Uh, those are some, those are some some dance moves I don't know if they were good or i don't know i don't know I don't even know what I witnessed, but uh I can't unsee it
2: um did you show your your lady <laughs> of course,
1: what did she say? I think she was as dumbfounded as I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering who's filming? were you just filming that or you just you just had the camera set up for your reaction? Is that what was going on
2: no the lady okay was filming. The lady was filming, and uh, it was because I was I was nervous. I was standing up, like bobbing the night. That was it, and I was just like, mm. I was I was rocking back and forth. I I am someone when I get nervous during a sporting event. I I tend to get closer and closer to the TV, and I'll end up standing up.
1: Okay, I, I hear you there. You gotta uh, I I see. I'm the I'm the superstitious kind of fan. I go with whatever whatever is working you know if it's if it's not working i gotta stand up if it's not working i gotta sit down like i remember i was coming out of the bathroom like just kind of down the hall from like our living room uh when austin riley hit that bomb against the dodgers last year i was like all right i'm i'm watching the rest of the game right here like i just i had to do that
2: (laughs) um i need to clarify something on this podcast mackering you're hyping up the sec in college baseball and the sec runs college baseball um that is that is a definite however as of may 17th 2021 per d1baseball.com a very good college baseball website that you should keep track of if you're you're not already lists the top 25 and this very top 25 features arkansas number one vanderbilt number three Tennessee, number four. Florida, number nine. Mississippi State, 10. Old Miss, 13. Uh, South Carolina, 21, who we're playing this weekend. End of list. Bulldogs not to be found, huh? Yeah. Oh, fair Mister, enough. We,
1: we're always in the top 25. <laughs> I didn't say it like that. I said like it's a respectable program, but they're still like... Lower half of the SEC. I, I thought they were ranked earlier this year, but I college baseball is definitely not my expertise. I'll uh, I'll defer to you on that one.
2: Tony Vitello, just uh just give him whatever he wants to be the Tennessee uh, baseball coach for the foreseeable future. Because uh, people, there's been some chirping that uh, Texas A and M is coming calling at the uh, this at the end of this season. So we'll see. But uh, enjoy your full capacity for your your just forgettable group of Bulldogs down there in Athens, Georgia. But let me know when you're back in that top 10 and you're actually competing for Omaha and stuff like that. Then we'll revisit the, the Georgia Bulldogs in this very podcast, Mac Green.
1: Can we get a uh, Pate Manning little sound clip in there? A little Omaha action?
2: He actually threw out the first pitch last Friday. Oh, he is was that right? was in attendance. Yeah, he always he needs to stop coming because someone pointed out that like Tennessee never wins when he's around. Like it's one of those weird things. If he's in the building at the football game, at the basketball game, at a baseball game, they never win. And they lost Friday night with him there. He threw a great first pitch. Like he had a one of the better uh, opening pitches I've ever seen. If I was a uh, if I was a a
1: troll of a rival fan base, I would say Tennessee didn't win when Peyton Manning was there to begin with yikes oh man did i just go there yikes did i just go there peyton manning all time great all time great for mm-hmm. sure
2: Hmm. Mm-hmm. um
1: well we'll just move but on. i would never i would never say that if i was a fan of a if i was a troll fan of another fan base i might say something like that but i would never say that
2: well that's good thank <laughs> you for being the better man um well let's let's get to some news some college football news uh gene smith the athletic director at ohio state getting a multi-year extension any thoughts on gene smith uh, sticking around
1: yeah no, he was the name that that was uh, kind of thrown around as maybe getting one of these commissioner jobs like the pac-12 commissioner or something but uh i guess he's he's happy where he is and honestly i don't know why you'd want to leave if you're at ohio state like just, just just stay keep keep raking in the money man like I'm all for it. Ohio State sports seem to be in a pretty good position right now. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.
0: Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings,
1: a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime
0: everyone's experienced the pain of dropped calls and internet outages especially working remotely this last year so here's the question if you're the telco company how do you help create better experiences for customers simple ServiceNow Digital Workflows can help solve network problems faster and provide real-time status updates so customers aren't left in the dark. That's probably why ServiceNow Workflows have helped telco companies see an increase in customer satisfaction. But proactive customer communications only half the battle. With a single view of your back, middle, and front office operations, ServiceNow Workflows also eliminate silos, keeping teams more in sync and more productive. With our scalable services, companies assure a better experience for both customers and employees on a single platform, the Now platform. So how do you help provide a better network experience for customers? With ServiceNow for telecommunications to help streamline network operations. Whatever your business is facing, let's workflow it. ServiceNow.
2: And the Big Ten, I think, would just be in a better position if he was the Big Ten commissioner. Like Kevin Warren's not a great early start. For Kevin Warren, yeah,
1: you know, that seems impactful. like a more logical uh step, like the Ohio State AD to Big Ten Commissioner. I just Pac twelve. I just don't know why you'd want to associate yourself with that. Like, I just that's that's a tough job, and it, I feel like it's because of like the current perception of it. Like you're you're going to be under a lot of pressure to really improve things, and I'm not I'm not sure exactly what the commissioner is supposed to do. Like these schools have to hire make the right coaching hires and everything like that. Like, I don't, I guess the commissioner comes in when it comes to things like TV deals and, you know, these, these 9am kickoffs. I, I, if, if I was the Pac-12 commissioner, that'd be one of the first things I got rid of.
2: I mean, the Pac-12, I think is a much more difficult power five job than a lot of college football fans give them credit for. I think Larry Scott, two things can be true. Larry Scott did a very bad job and negotiated a very bad TV deal, but also I think it's a, it's a tough job and I think it's going to just gonna be really hard for them to catch up to the rest of the pack, the, the rest of the power five. Um, that being said, George Klyvyakov, I'm guessing I'm pronouncing that last name correctly. Um, was announced out of nowhere an out of nowhere name because it looked like Oliver Luck had a real shot at that. And I think that actually would have been a really smart, uh, shrewd hire by the pac 12 to go all over luck there. But, um, no, they go Klivioff, who came from MGM. Uh, he's it. It's one of those where I forgot who I was listening to. I think it was the Yahoo Sports College Football Show, and I think it was Pat Forty or maybe it was Dan Wetzel, who said that this was another indication to the Pac twelve Ads that like we don't we don't care that <laughs> we don't care about your schools and the getting an AD in there or a commissioner in there rather that is going to invest in all these different universities and figure out what works, what's helping, how they can get involved and like how they can really invest in the actual schools themselves. But it's just more of like, let's bring in somebody who made money promoting bites and stuff like that, who can promote our brand and make us money. Like it was a, let's bring in a commissioner who we think can make us money and fix our TV contract situation, fix the eyeballs, that kind of stuff. And I just, uh, it's not a good look. And I mean that's not what Greg Sankey's about. Greg Sankey's the best commissioner in college sports right now and it's not particularly close. But the ACC went out and did that. They got their own Greg Sankey. Um and I think he's going to be really interesting. To be fair, um, like what can you really point
1: to like Greg Sankey like that he does like superior to other conference commissioners
2: you know what i mean like well, he's invested he's measured he actually cares about the school he had the background where he worked his way up it's not even like he's a local sec guy like he has done different things in the sec before getting that thing i i don't know i think he just paid his dues basically getting familiar like familiarizing himself with the role and what it takes to be a good commish I don't know. Whenever I listen to Sankey and his leadership, I think he is someone that genuinely cares about the health of the conference. And I'm not sure the new PAC-12 commissioner cares about the health of the schools.
1: I mean, that's true. It's like, a, it's it's hard to say. It's just such a, it's such an interesting job that it's hard to have experience, right? With that kind of job. It's like, you just kind of... I've have done X Y and Z and maybe I'll I'll be suited for this job. You know, obviously it would make sense if you if you get a former athletic director or something like that, but um the Pac-12 is in such a position where like they just need more eyeballs on their product and maybe a guy that's, you know, worked with MGM promoting fights, doing that sort of thing, maybe he can just help get more eyeballs on the Pac-12. But I I just don't know that a commissioner can really do that if if we feel like consistently in in football they have like one maybe two good teams or in basketball they I feel like they were I mean they had a really strong performance in the NCAA tournament this year, but even in recent years it seems like they're not getting as many teams in the tournament as they usually do. And that's just like that's a whole huge level uh that I'm not sure the the commissioner really has any control over.
2: Yeah. Um I don't know. I, I the Pac is in a tough spot and it's not like the Pac twelve network is going to get resolved this year so it's a it's a long bet but we'll we'll see what happens there speaking of the sec though 23 million for sec schools for virus losses were you were you at all alarmed by that number
1: yeah the 23 million didn't seem that crazy until you thought it's twenty million, three million per school you just have like a just a 300 million just sitting and sitting in the in the safe back there hey you guys take a little something it was a tough year (laughs) we'll just just throw a little something something just 23 million per i mean that's that's a
2: wild figure it just Uh, means more man I, I, i that's that's all i can say yeah um it's also why schools when they were talking remember how i was like this can be a tough year like a lot of the ADs, and then you have Will Muschamp getting a just ridiculous buyout um, this offseason.
1: That was the theory. Like I feel like I heard yeah. a lot of people say that. Like, oh, this will be kind of a, a free pass year. There won't be too many coaching firings. They'll schools are afraid. Yeah, no. They. I feel like this seemed like one of the most active offseasons in terms of teams firing their head coach.
2: Yeah, because they know they have this in the bank. Like I think these ADs and these presidents and these schools know that like they'll get the help they need in the SEC if they need it. Um, the Lions ultimately went with the guy who would tear off a a body part for a Super Bowl win. The guy who had a very memorable opening press conference in Dan Campbell, um, just a caricature of what a football coach should be, um, on the football field. Not exactly all in on Dan Campbell as a head football coach, um, but in the Lions defense, it seems as though they wanted Iowa States Matt Campbell. This is going to keep popping up. Matt Campbell and like Ryan Day I see a lot when I'm reading different pieces that like NFL teams consult with Campbell and Day more than anybody else it seems like. And that is not all that surprising based on like their coaching acumen and winning the way they do in very different ways but like Campbell just building a, a perennial winner. In Ames, and then you have Ryan Day obviously just coming, having an NFL background and just running an NFL offense in uh, college and just putting out so much NFL town. Anyway, it makes sense, but like Campbell is going to keep getting these calls. But the fact that he said no to Detroit, it's interesting. Like that dude is happy in Iowa State or he is waiting for the perfect, perfect job. I guess it's either Michigan, maybe Oklahoma, or. Uh, or uh, Ohio State
1: well and let's be no, honest company. like there's there's those college jobs that like you know yeah it might be an upgrade from where you are but it's it's not necessarily like a, uh, a a team that you can truly have success at you know there's just a lot of those SEC those middle of the road or bottom of the SEC type schools that guys would rather stay at their school than than jump jump there the NFL seems like every job is better than a college job, except for the Detroit Lions. Like, that's, like, the one organization. Even the Browns are, like, sexy now, you know? Like, the Detroit Lions, is just the worst organization in probably all of professional sports. So, mm. I feel like it it makes sense. And I say that as a low-key Lions fan, for, like, the last decade. I was rooting for Stafford. I was, I was watching their games uh, on Red Zone every once in a while. But, um... Lions it's just it's it's a sad existence as a Lions fan. So if if you're a hot coach, like why do that to yourself? like especially with the Iowa State, maybe this could be your best team yet with so much returning talent like he could be getting maybe a better NFL job or just I mean the next the next powerhouse that opens up in college football like Matt Campbell's got to be near the top of their list, top of everyone's list.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's very much possible. Um, I'll be interested to see what his next stop is. Like, but then again, they make the playoff this year and they win the Big Twelve. Like, why would he leave? Like, he's built something there. The expectations are what they are. Like, he is a big fish in a small pond, and some people prefer that. And I don't, I don't blame him. But why does anybody uh, leave? Right, money, man. That's why it's always money. There. There's just so much
1: money they can throw at you. Like, money's not important until someone's like quadrupling your salary you're like oh you know what that is a lot of money i can't say no to that yeah i mean alabama took a nfl coach (laughs) like they plucked an nfl coach because they had that much money you know yeah
2: yeah um indiana added another running back usc stephen carr um what do you make of indiana adding stephen carr and also this is a two-parter guess who michael Penix jr was seen working out with this week uh who's that Jameis winston
1: okay i see ya um stephen carr i mean that's i guess that's a solid ad for indiana for sure if you can get a running back from usc I, he's solid piece i'm sure he's as good as anybody they have no no shade
2: throwing at indiana indiana's they're they're frisky time island's got a frisky bunch up there in bloomington i would say um that's how i always want my football teams to
1: be described frisky
2: <laughs> they're frisky Cat, you gotta take them seriously like that that is a school now that they are at the point now where you have to take them seriously in terms of like you will get beat if you don't come with your a game like ohio state almost got beat um and they would have gotten beat if they didn't come prepared for uh indiana last year like indiana's a- i mean what they did against penn state and stuff like that like you got to come correct against indiana and tom allen's now you just I'm,
1: I'm gonna tell you right now Indiana's taking a huge step back in 2021 I'll tell you that right now just really laying into <laughs> who's do your do you? I just I'm still salty so about the Penn State the I'm still salty lives. about the Penn State game their biggest win of the season they didn't win that game
2: I'm sorry <laughs> they just did it pound it on the you're, table over here I I know you're like you're you're not into it um our main event for today's episode, Matt Green. Buy or sell. We're going to do some buyer selling right now. First up, you have this. UNC State Champion Rings for beating NC State and Duke. Oh my gosh, man. Hard sell on this. Like,
1: a <laughs> state champion ring? Like, come on, man. Like, people already... Give teams enough grief about like an SEC East ring or something like that, but at least that's like a legitimate like accomplishment. Like, oh, you won the Coastal this year, and like we said, we're never gonna know who's in the Coastal, who's in the Atlantic. I'm just I'm just not gonna remember it. But um, but a state championship ring, like it's one thing if you're like, I don't know, Texas Tech, and you beat you beat Baylor, TCU, and Texas in the same year. It's like that's Mm. like a big time accomplishment. Or maybe there's like kind of a weird year where you 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 play Texas A and M when you wouldn't usually or something, but like mm. NC State and Duke, like come on, you can't. How much did this? How much money did this cause? That's what I want to know. Like. These I guarantee I guarantee these guys sold all these rings. You remember back in 2002 <laughs> and all those Georgia players like it was like a story they sold their SEC championship rings. Like you're going to hear about all kinds of players selling these. Like the, a state championship doesn't mean anything to these guys. Like they want an ACC championship. Come on. Sell.
2: Yeah. Hard sell. Well, you did just say that they sold those too. So That's that's yeah. fair. I don't know. I uh, <laughs> If there was something, like, I love the axe. I love all the different things, like, the actual things. It's not a ring thing, but if they had some sort of item outside of a ring, like, some sort of, like, funny thing that you want where it was just funny, not, like, jewelry or anything like that, but, like, or the North Carolina state champs, like, you you go for this, like, like you said, if you run the Gambit in Texas, you run the Gambit in North Carolina, like, if tech uh let's just say southern state and uga in the same year like that is something i you and i have talked about on this podcast that i think college ball has really really got to reinvest in is that these local rivalries like i don't even remember what you get for kansas missouri anymore because they don't play anymore because college ball lost its absolute mind and gave up rivalries that should have just never been given up yeah but, so you're saying like, like a rivalry way. trophy like that the school has yes, yeah yeah like i'm on board with
1: something state. like that but yeah given everyone yeah. rings like Well, a little old oaken bucket action or something like whatever they call that trophy. Do something weird like that.
2: That's what What I was. That Purdue, Indiana, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and Middle Tennessee State in one year. Like, just give them something. That's cool. It gives those guys something else to play for. Because if you're a group of five school, guess what? You're not playing for anything.
1: Yeah, like I think Georgia beat Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and Austin P. A couple years ago in the same season. So they like joked about like Tennessee State champions, but like. Mm-hmm. you weren't they were making rings for that by any means
2: no no do you think uh what kind of rings do you think sam houston state got for their fcs title one i hope some uh some solid rings honestly
1: i just hope it's a ring that they can wear like, i think that's the worst part about the super bowl rings like probably the last i don't know 10 years maybe the last 20 years like you can't wear that shit like it's like as big as your fist like <laughs> if i'm winning a super bowl ring i want to be able to rock that at like a formal occasion or something like like something that's like, like the over. size of like a class ring not something that's like the size of like four rings did you get an north georgia ring no i i didn't i've never gotten a class ring did you yeah you got a north georgia one what's it look like yeah i don't remember now does it have like a I blue
2: stone or something i hope my dad's not listening to this because it's somewhere in my parents house um but yeah oh, it, th- there's just not a reason to wear it like i don't i don't know i just uh i don't know did not uh i do i mean i got the high school one i remember that more clearly than the the college one um which naturally leads us to kentucky Matt green um Kentucky's new offense buy or sell Wondell Robinson and Joey Gatewood and the magic that Liam Cohen is bringing from the NFL to Kentucky buy or sell
1: I'm not gonna sell that the the new OC could make a difference but as far as 2021 goes and, and Joey Gatewood being the guy I am selling on Kentucky's offense being good in 2021 I just I don't see it personally
2: okay i'm buying i think they're gonna be good and i think they're gonna be the the sleeper pesky team like if florida doesn't work out and they take a step back i think kentucky's right there like the kentucky georgia game might decide the secs this year i could 100 percent see that being the case oh wow um eric gilbert will regret not just sticking with florida in the transfer portal by sell?
1: he'll regret not sticking with florida specifically yeah, I, I don't think he'll regret that. Because honestly, I felt like he was making the wrong decision for the second year in a row by going to Florida. It's like 2019 LSU was perfect for you, not 2020 LSU when you made the decision to go there. It's like 2020 Florida was perfect for you, not 2021 Florida when you're making the decision to go there. So I think ultimately, will he make the right pick? I, I don't know what the right pick is, but... um. I, I, I feel like he's going to end up staying at LSU just because, I don't know, this kid's gotta, got to have a bunch of criticism on how he's just kind of gone through this process. I feel like at the end of the day, he's going to end up back at LSU.
2: I feel bad. Like Clearly, people are helping guide this, right? That he's just like going back and forth, and there's probably a lot of people giving him advice and stuff like that, and I don't know. It, it, I'm sure it's got to be tough. Bo Nix.
1: Wherever wherever he goes, it doesn't matter. This dude's gonna be a first round pick. He's
2: he's a he's a baller. That's true. Um, Bo Nix as the number one pick next year. That was pointed out uh, by Jordan Palmer, the quarterback guru. He's is this a brother, s- so is this a serious Palmer. Jordan Palmer? Yeah, UTEP, right? Yeah.
1: Um, is this a serious buy sell Bo Nix as number one pick. Like
2: like well, the reason I would say it's serious is because none of us had Joey. Like, Joe Burrow. Like, that was not a thing that anyone foresaw before he burst onto the scene. He was not lighting it up the year prior at LSU. There were questions That's about where he was. Um, So, year three of Bo Nix, different offensive system this year. Uh, no Gus Malzahn. Um, You get, which helps. Like, if you are a quarterback trying to get better in your collegiate career, you don't want to play for Gus Malzahn because you get worse.
1: You that's true, and honestly, career. Bo Nix, like prior to Joe Burrow's senior year, kind of had that same perception as Bo Nix. Like he's might he's not the best passer, but he's like he's a gamer and he's like tough. Like they kind of say mm-hmm. those same things. He could he can move a little bit. He's kind of athletic, you know. So I I do kind of see the similarities there. But man, that's just unfortunately that roster is not loaded around him like that LSU roster was, and I just yeah. I do not see that happening at all. I would, I don't want to say buy or sell Bo Nicks being
2: drafted.
1: Like I don't even know if that guy, I don't know. He's I'm
2: selling because I think JT Daniels actually fits this mold more than Bo Nicks.
1: Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see JT Daniels like as a guy that legitimately kind of, you know, came not out of nowhere because people who follow recruiting and everything know how big time he was, but in terms of his, his 2020, performance just playing four games to potentially seeing a a a monumental rise kind of thing i think he he kind of fits that better bo nicks they're just hoping he can be a serviceable quarterback i feel like he seemed to kind of take a step back last year yeah Uh, and also um, he's a junior
2: right yes yeah so i don't start as a true freshman
1: yeah so i don't see him leaving early for sure uh you think
2: i just uh, he doesn't have i
1: feel like he's gonna have to have a huge 2021 to even consider yeah, leaving saying. it's hard to say like if he's good this year in auburn make some noise i could see it uh, i mean I who think. do you think who do you think gets drafted higher bo Nix or emory jones <sighs> i've seen people talking about emory jones being a top 10 pick next year and i just that's
2: that's hot take central right
1: there like this guy hasn't
2: even started yet yeah i i don't know i i think it's possible i think it's possible if florida Clicks and they win the East again. Like, yeah, I think he's got more upside than Trask. But I Trask's really good, man. Trask was really, really good
1: well. But Trask, that, so. yeah, it just is clearly like limited, like in his yeah. raw ability, and so that's what the NFL is ultimately looking for. I don't. Emory Jones looks like he has a stronger arm, and obviously he's much more athletic. Well, like, most
2: people have a stronger arm than then
1: uh, yeah but like Bo, I feel like he seems like he has a significantly stronger arm than like Bo Nix what we've seen in like at least like limited throws from Emory Jones but
2: I don't know yeah. I thought that was a, a hot take as well Emory's got a cannon yeah I so watching some high hi, uh, some high school tape of him he was he was launching 70 yard bombs from the back of the end zone like he, he can he can sling it Mackenzie um, Milton buy or sell leading Florida State Back in 2021,
1: I saw you write this
2: on our uh, on our show sheet,
1: and mm-hmm. I was wondering, what does that mean? What does so, FSU being back mean? Because FSU is that level of program, like they're not back until they're winning the ACC or at least in the ACC championship. Is that the is that the standard?
2: I think back in terms of like we say the team after Clemson is North Carolina. Florida State and Miami like they're in that conversation and they belong in that conversation with the next tier.
1: if they're just if back is just like being ranked and being in the top 20 or so yeah I could see it and maybe it's Mackenzie Milton but or maybe it's just like what Mike Morvell has done you know in general just being a good coach and what he's done in the transfer portal like I could see FSU taking a big step forward this year
2: well, let's go through the schedule really quickly. Notre Dame at home, to kick off their season. I'm excited for that one. Excited for that one. Um, Jacksonville State, they've had trouble with, and Jacksonville State's good. Um, really good FCS program. Did Jacksonville uh, State beat late. them, or was that like did they go to like they overtime or something? Or, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was the Ryan Paraloo Jacksonville State. <laughs> Who could forget Ryan Peralu? Ryan at all time LSU, LSU. I was great. at that game. You know what's crazy? I was at that game, Matt Green. I was at that game in the pouring down rain. That's a random game to be at. Well, my cousin went to Florida State, so I was there visiting him that weekend with uh, one of my buddies, and uh, that was the game we were actually there for. Brian Perlou. I I remember that. Um, the person in front of me puking their brains out. I remember that. Um, they were going through it. They were going a little uh, a little croak at Doke. but oh, okay. I won't allow it. <laughs> um, the four sleeping college football giants from. Ari Wasserman of The Athletic. His list, buy or sell this. Arizona State, UCLA, Maryland, and Rutgers.
1: So, I'm with him on UCLA and Maryland. I'll give you those Mm. as as far as sleeping giants go. Like, USC is clearly the class of, uh, like, traditionally of of the Pac-12 and of Southern California, but... UCLA does have some tradition there and, you know, it's got, it's got some pool, you know, just being in LA, ha, playing in the Rose Bowl, like UCLA has some things going for them. And obviously there's a lot of talent in California and then Maryland, you got that DC area. That's a, that's a pretty big time area. And you got, you know, a lot of talent comes out of that Virginia, like Hampton, Newport news kind of area. But I didn't understand Rutgers in Arizona state. Like Arizona State seems like like they've had success like in the 90s, 2000s they're a respectable program but like what is the like what is the ceiling for Arizona State? like I would I would put more someone like Colorado in there over Arizona State. like Colorado seems like someone who's just got a more legitimate football history. And then Rutgers, I guess it's just a New York being close to New York City thing. That's a geography but, thing. Yeah, it's like I don't, I don't see Rutgers ever being good. <laughs> like Rutgers is just not a good job. Greg Schiano is going to get them as good as they could possibly be. I'll
2: guarantee you that. Yeah, we've seen that. Like, and it's back to the, back to the, the, the. I don't even know what to call this. The, the dungeon, the cellar of whatever conference they'll be in. Like it's, it's very easy. Yeah, exactly. Like
1: the, the Ray Rice year was like a ten and three. Like. That that's about as much as they can ask for. Going ten and three once every every decade or so.
2: That and that might be a little too much for wreckers to expect. See, mine are not like Maryland, the DMB, like there's a lot of talent there, and Loxley is getting after a lot of those guys, and I think he's doing a lot there, but
1: And trying to be like under armor, like the Yeah. The organ of the East Coast kind of thing.
2: I could see that, but I still just don't feel power there. And I think Part of it too is that the Pac-12 is way more open than the Big Ten. Like, there's there's still a tipping point where like Maryland can't reach Ohio State. Like, I don't know if anyone in the Big Ten can reach Ohio State. I think there's just they're in a league of their own. Um,
1: I mean, Arizona and, State
2: and UCLA. There's like the Oregon's good, but like Oregon does not have a stranglehold on the Pac-12. And Washington was better than them over the last ten years. You have sturdier programs that well is that uh, is
1: that true you think Washington is better over the last last decade yeah, Chris
2: Peterson was better he got in the playoff
1: Oregon hasn't done it yet that's I know Oregon went to the went to the national championship in the playoff uh Mariotti's year that was the first year of the playoff was
2: that the first year
1: yeah when they because okay. they beat Florida State that year that's right that's right okay since then they have not been in Washington but they State definitely took a, a dip for sure I feel like the media like people have been like desperate for Oregon to just take a stranglehold over the Pac12 yes. like everyone wants Oregon it's like you're the coolest team out there just be be good
2: be well, be the have best Ohio State this year like everyone's going to be rooting so dang hard for Oregon to beat Ohio State this fall.
1: Yeah, I think that was that was probably the biggest casualty of the 2020 season that we we missed out on Oregon Ohio State. I was really excited for that one. So the no, last I was excited th- for North Dakota
2: State Oregon. Like Trey Lance <laughs> beating Oregon to kick off the season would have been
1: hilarious.
2: Yeah, that wouldn't have been a great look. But it's, um, it's it's in Columbus this
1: year, right? Yes. And so it was supposed to be in Eugene last year. I think. Are they making I that up so, yes. or are they? Gonna f- I don't know how they're going to do that, but uh, we need to, we need know, that.
2: Oklahoma and Tennessee were also supposed to play in Norman last year, and that did not happen, which bummed me out. Really, really dodged um, a bullet there. Yeah. Well, they're going. <laughs> I think it's rescheduled a couple years from now. So they've already Hopefully. is
1: that the second of the home and home, or they already they already played in Norman a few years back, right? Tennessee, Oklahoma. No, they had them there.
2: Baker came to Knoxville.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I remember that one in Knoxville because they made a comeback, right? Like Tennessee, yes. and then. But Tennessee never went to Oklahoma, right? No. Okay. Was to be this fall. Okay. They didn't
2: do like a back-to-back coming and home. It was like a
1: that's interesting because Georgia and Oklahoma are doing the same thing. It's 2023 at no- in Norman, and it's like 20 like
2: 31 in Athens. Like it seems like a weird home and home series. I wish they would stop doing this, dude. I wish they would stop booking this stuff. 10 years out when we have no idea what these programs are going to look like just do it year to year we learned this fall you don't have to do this you don't have to book far in advance like you can just do the schedule based on the last season just be like all right now we know where it they would are. be we cool the the blue chip ratio we can figure they it out literally the planned coastal carolina byu in like four days <laughs> like maybe not yeah. even that many like you don't have to do this you don't have to book it this far out like you should be able to adjust and i don't know i wish they would not do that um, no, I hear you. But yeah, Arizona State, I think, is actually number one on this list. They get a lot of SoCal kids. Herm is already going after a lot of those kids. You got Antonio Pierce, who's a really good recruiter for them. Um, Jaden Daniels is awesome. Like, they're already turning that program around. Like, if the rest, if UCLA and USC don't get their act together, like, Arizona State's just right there. It's a fun school, party school. The weather's good. Um, you have an NFL team right there. You have a lot. Like, it has a good fan base, it's got a good atmosphere like arizona state is absolutely on that list ucla is still going to be a basketball school arizona state's not an anything school they're solid and everything i guess you could say maybe uh baseball but
1: um i don't know i think, I think they do have a arizona strong state baseball tradition right barry bonds yeah um that's that's fair that's arizona state's definitely got some things going uh in their favor i just i don't know how many How much talent is really out there on the West Coast for, like, that many teams to be good? Like, I just, I have to think Oregon and USC are still going to get the vast majority of the best recruits.
2: Well, Arizona State should beat Oregon. Like, where would you rather live, Eugene or Tempe, if you're a SoCal kid? That's fair, but Eugene, Oregon seems like an awesome place.
1: Like, Oregon just seems cool, you know? They just have that, that vibe going for them. Okay. Right. But also, so I noticed that, like, is North Carolina, are they too good right now to put on a sleeping giant list? Because yeah. I feel like they seem like someone who actually has a legitimate shot of kind of a, a team that's not a powerhouse that could legitimately kind of get into that conversation and, like, contend for conference titles mm. year in and year out. And I think that's a team, one of those clear, like, not football traditions that kind of has a chance, I think, to to elevate the perception of their program.
2: I think Old Miss is there if they cheat better. Like that one year where Hugh Freeze cheated his ass off. Like if you get a four year window there, I think you could really do oh, something. I that's think. just anyone
1: outside of the anyone in the SEC West, it's just that's just so difficult because yeah. LSU, Alabama, Auburn are all so established and now and AM is like become that like kind of fourth power in the West. Like yeah. It's just going to be tough for anyone. I think Ole Miss has a better shot than, you know, Arkansas or uh, or Mississippi State. But that, that's well, going to be tough. State, top 10 FPI team, sir. But <laughs> that's fair. But uh, but Lane Kiffin, you're right. Lane Kiffin's sexy. You know, he he, uh, he definitely moves the meter. And so he seems like the kind of guy that's definitely got to move in the right direction. Last thing quickly, Matt Green.
2: Um, Eric Gray, listed as the top transfer thus far former tennessee legend eric gray at oklahoma do you agree do you think it's henry tootoa do you think it's mckenzie milton who do you agree with it being gray or would you say it's somebody else should fit that top spot
1: i think um 24 7 sports put out their top 100 like transfers and they had Toa one. but i'm mm. i'm with you i think i'm buying eric gray i think he's gonna make a huge difference what he does running the ball and catching it out of the backfield. Like, I just feel like we know Lincoln Riley's offensive, you know, acumen, like he's going to figure out how to use that guy in the best possible position. I think Eric Gray is going to have a monster year, but I, and I didn't want to rub this in or anything, but this had, you looked at this list, right? Yes. This had to be a tough list for a Tennessee fan to look at, man. Like, number 1, two, seven, 11, and 20 on this list are transfers from Tennessee. Like, it's just brutal. You can think about the type of team Tennessee could have had coming into uh, next season, and that might not be their five best players, but that might be their five best players. <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: Like, that's tough. Yeah. But that's what happens when you change programs and you get caught the mcdonald's bag of money that's what that's what happens Matt. <laughs> um well that's all i've got this week matt we got a shorter show this week but um next week do you want to do the transfer deep dive next week we could do that that could be our <laughs> our big thing
1: um i'm just a little scared because mm. i've heard you know you jump into the transfer portal i just I don't know if we, if we can come out. I don't really know. Do we go into another dimension? Like, I don't know how that works, you know? So, I got to be careful when you mess around with that transfer portal. That is true. That is but, yeah, true. I'm all in.
2: For that guy, down there in Tequila, Georgia, Matt Green. You can follow him at Matt underscore W underscore Green. For myself, up here in Knoxville, Tennessee, Chase Thomas. That is all I've got. And we'll be back. More episodes tomorrow. And then... uh College football every Thursday on this very podcast, podcast.com. Talk to y'all soon. All right, we are
1: good, sir. All right, good stuff, man.
2: All right, the Thursday edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, Soldiers on, and I am now joined by old friend Jim Barcelone down there in the Miami area of the Miami Herald, a guy who knows more professional wrestling than myself, and I enjoy talking professional wrestling with a lot. Jim, good afternoon, sir. How are you doing?
3: Good here in sunny South Florida, waiting for the springtime afternoon rain. I think this place is turning into Seattle, getting more rain and rain. I don't know if this is global warming, who knows, but that's, either way, so what? We're here to talk about pro wrestling. Rain or not, rain or shine, better than mailman, pro wrestling will... (laughs) Surge forward.
2: Well, you say that was WrestleMania not rained out <laughs> temporarily this year.
3: Hey, it was a half hour delay, mm-hmm. and as I wrote, we waited a year plus to have a show with fans. What's another thirty minutes?
2: <laughs> did you go?
3: I did go. I went. Actually, I was, I was lucky enough too. I was able to go to the second night of the NXT show as well. So I went to the NXT show on the Thursday night and then attended both nights of WrestleMania. It was really good. Mm -hmm. They always do a great job with production. The stage setup, the lighting, all the ancillary was just outstanding. The match was really good. The crowd was really into it. Each day, wow. In the afternoon, it looked like... Dark times. It was so dark in the afternoon. It was, oh, is this thing going to get in? Are they going to get this thing in? What's going to happen? But fortunately, the first night, you had the rain for that about twenty minutes, and it wasn't a hard rain. And they had it all covered, and they did a great job at just making sure that the ring was safe. Everybody was under cover. They just did a good job of just cleaning everything off the chairs when fans came back in. The second day, it was storming in the afternoon. So it was like, are they going to get this in? What's going to happen? But then by about 6 o'clock, it settled. And again, they did a great job cleaning everything up, making sure the ring wasn't wet, all that. And then they were able to just, business as usual. And it was just... It just worked out, but it was scary. It was scary both nights with the threat of the rain. See, the first night, the way I looked at it was, if it got postponed the first night, you had the second day night to do the whole thing, which, as you know watching WrestleMania, when they do one night, it's like a six-, seven-hour event. It's just it's so long. I mean, fans watch and stay for the event fans, when they're at the show, they stay, which I'm amazed they stay so long, but they do, people watching at home make it a whole afternoon, evening event, so I was like, well, the second day, they'll do that, but then, the second day, when you had the rain, it's like, what can they do, if they have to postpone, you know what we're going to get, we're going to get an extended WrestleMania day two on Raw, and, uh, and or SmackDown, so I was just glad they were able to get it both in, so they weren't able to have to go to plan B or C.
2: What did you enjoy more, the NXT in-person event or WrestleMania?
3: Well, yeah, NXT was really cool because it was inside the PC, the Performance Center, and the crowd was right there. And they had it almost like a little hockey rink where they had a the plexiglass up, so fans were behind that, and then seats above that. I just like the intimate setting mm-hmm. and the way they had the even the giant screen and the way they had it set up it was really cool. And you're sitting there and then behind you, you've got this giant screen on one side and then you look to the right and there's another huge screen and then you look straight ahead, at least where I was sitting, you look straight ahead and you get the big skull and the entrance where they come out. From that standpoint, I liked it better, but gee, having WrestleMania return and with fans and having it at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa and what a really good job everyone did there. It was it was fun. It was good. I i like that NXT had, I guess, well, they split it up two days as well, so I didn't get to see the first day, but having an event one day and having a a time frame where it doesn't go too long. See, I'm all for two hour shows. If you have to go three hours, fine. But having it longer than that, I just think, oh, that's why even on Raw, Raw on USA Network on Monday nights, three hours. It's, I, I think a, a one hour show is really good. If you have to go to two hours, great, fine. But I think that's enough. But yeah. WrestleMania, since it was WrestleMania, that's fine. But i I did enjoy and I did enjoy NXT a little more, just because of the intimate setting.
2: That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, I'm surprised to hear that another professional wrestling fan does not enjoy three hour Monday Night Ross. I I'm I'm stunned, Jim.
3: It's just look at the numbers. The third hour usually, even mm-hmm. with the main event, gets the lowest numbers.
2: And I it's uh. Just, My idea for that is, and something I think would be awesome, just to switch because they're already on the same show, like on the same programming. Like, just I would revert NXT back to an hour, move it to Monday as the opener, do eight to nine NXT, and then nine to eleven Monday Night Raw. That is, that is what I would do.
3: That could, that would be a better solution than doing eight to ten Raw and then have a WWE Combat Sports Fight Night from 10 to 11. Which,
2: yeah, no, that... that yeah, no, exactly. You don't, you don't want any of that. So,
3: I mean, something else. But as long as USA Network wants three hours, and they're going to pay for three hours, they're going to get three hours. Yeah. And that's just the bottom line, because as we know, money rules the world and in everything,
2: yeah. including
3: our sports entertainment slash pro wrestling.
2: <laughs> um, well, a professional wrestling show that I enjoy watching every week. Well, there's two that I very much enjoy. I enjoy Friday Night SmackDown, and I enjoy AEW Dynamite. Dynamite's still number one. From you this week, who are your winners and who are your losers coming out of this week's episode of AEW Dynamite?
3: Oh, for Dynamite, I, well, I like what they're doing with Miro and putting Mm -hmm. the, the TV belt on him and letting him be, he just seems very comfortable letting him be him. I like that. Getting
2: him away. from Kip and. Poole. He's not a, not a mon- he's He good.
3: is a monster, but he's not a monster. He's not like coming across like this Braun Strowman monster type. It, he is, but he's got this just mean and nasty disposition attitude. And I, I just. I think really he is just escalating himself so well. I like that a lot with what they're doing with him. Uh, I like what they're doing with the inner circle and the pinnacle. I do like all that. And one of my favorite parts is when – has nothing to do with the wrestling. One of my favorite parts is just when Chris Jericho comes out and everybody's singing Judas. Mm-hmm. And, and then I like, when they cut the, I like when they cut it, they cut the music, just so you could hear the fans finish it. To me, those moments are just so really cool to see something like that. I'm sure for him especially since he takes so much pride in Fozzie and the music. As far as what they're doing with Moxley and Kingston, that's interesting to me. These two guys just seem so similar to me and putting them together and and doing what they're doing is really cool. I like what they're doing with the the Murderhawk Monster. Are they turning him? Well, I hope he doesn't turn totally if they're doing that. With him. I just like him and Jake as heels, as true heels, and doing that. Mm-hmm. But I do like I do like to see some. Little, there is a difference with him now. They're trying something different with him. I like what they're doing there. I, I just there there's so many things though with AEW that I do like. Mm-hmm. What I'm interested in though has nothing to do with Dynamite. It actually has to do with the new show Rampage. Mm-hmm. So they're going to do the new show on Friday. Now we're we're. T- Every night there's pro wrestling. We're not even talking about all the other pro wrestling out there. But it's just every night. And it just proves to me, which I've said for a long time, you don't need those monster rating numbers anymore on TV to have a viable, successful pro wrestling show as long as the networks will pay for it. Because that's really, bottom line is, yeah, of course they want high ratings and they want fans or top ratings, big ratings, big numbers, but you don't need them. And as long as these networks will pay to have pro wrestling on, that benefits the, sh- the company and the show and the wrestlers. And now we're seeing it every night, no matter what it is, there's Impact Wrestling, there's MLW, there's Ring of Honor, they're on somewhere. And then you have AEW, now they're moving to also going to have a show on Friday nights.
2: I know people that mind. watch AEW Dark and Full and I just I'm blown away by the people who can do that who can watch Elevation, Dark, Smackdown, Raw, NXT, Dynamite. It's just it's honestly like it's it's too much. We're getting to the point now How? where like I'm going to It's it's too much and I understand the flip side of that where someone might say, "Okay, too much well you don't have to watch everything it's not like you're required to watch everything so good but you also don't want to feel like you're you're missing out and you're not uh seeing the whole picture and you want the whole story right but i'm getting closer and closer and a friend of mine uh will washington who hosts uh rbr weekly wrestling talk he is uh i believe only watching dynamite every week but he's uh watching all the pay-per-views because for for wwe because WWE does an exceptional job of their video packages before matches on pay-per-views. They're so good and so informative that you don't have to watch the weekly programming anymore because you can just catch up by that alone. And you're like, all right, I saw everything I needed to see. Now I can just watch the pay-per-view. Does that make sense? Because it makes sense to me, honestly. (laughs) It does.
3: That is funny. It does. And it's interesting because I always thought when they're doing that on the pay-per-views, I'm watching it going, okay. Here's a time filler. and all. Imagine if they didn't have that, how much time they would save it on the pay-per-view. Yeah, It, it would be, but it it, it, you're right. It does lend itself, or he's right, that it lends itself to catching you up to what you missed and watching that. Because I'm always like, oh, all right, this is break time for me. Where they're just rehashing, getting ready for the event, and showing mm-hmm. why they're having this match and all. But I can understand that. I really can understand that now. In that point, to say, "Hey, it's catching up for fans. They can't watch all the time and see all these different segments that we're putting out there to get to where we got."
2: Yeah. Um, what did you think of the GoGo and uh, Austin Gunn segment this week?
3: Yeah, it's it's. Uh, did they really want to? I just think for GoGo, they they're really putting a lot of stock in him. I used to like like him on commentary he would be on commentary in AEW dark for some of the matches mm-hmm. with taz and excalibur and and by the way aw dark would a for me it would have fun show because i like the ton cheek stuff i like when they could just sit there on the comment on the commentary team and have a little fun and be sarcastic and just go with it. There, it's so different than the traditional format. Like an AW Dark Elevation is more of your traditional format. You're going to get more insight news about the wrestlers, about the matches, on a more serious tone with Tony Schiavone and Paul White, aka Big Show. Also, Paul White's White. Really but good. For, I like Paul White a lot. I think he does. He is so multi-talented too. He's just so much that he can do in the ring and outside the ring. But I do like what they're doing with Gogo and and having this build up and building it up like that. So you you do things like that and it's, and then we'll look the flip side like someone like Austin Gunn, I like the Gun Club. I think if AEW decides that they're going to they have so many tag teams and so much talent that they could introduce a six-man tag team titles at some point. Don't and you I dare. Think a team no like more
2: titles. Club, no, no, no
3: more Jim. You don't <laughs> want any more titles. But no. if they did do a titles. The Gun Club would fit perfectly with
2: that. I mean, they would. They would. But uh, less titles. I mean, they already got. We've got the. We got AAA titles appearing on these shows. We got the FTW titles appearing. Like we got all kinds of stuff. We don't. We don't need more. We. We don't need yeah, more. Yeah, Kenny
3: Omega is a yeah. is a belt collector himself. So mm-hmm. he is his own museum of belts which will continue to grow by the way
2: yeah yeah um i'm excited for dmd versus akara shida at uh double or nothing i it, it, there's no way baker doesn't come away with the title right like you cannot keep it on shida for this much longer
3: she has to have ba- yeah brit baker's done such a tremendous job that it is her turn so i i just that's another talent that just when you first saw her and a lot of fans didn't know her and now she's getting exposure and and time to develop and grow. Sometimes it takes a while, Ricochet. And sometimes you just, it it just happens quickly and you just go with it. And she's really done a a great job for herself. But I, I think that I think she's their number one, Women's wrestler on the mm. roster, and that is just the total package. Everything. Yeah. He said the the problem with some of the when you have the international talent. Oscar is doing the best she can, does a good job at it. But when you get that international talent in, it's hard sometimes to do the pro, how you do the promos if you don't have a translator, and you lose something when that happens. So I just think when you have somebody there that can handle those promos, which are so important Mm. in just uh, garnering that attention and all. Someone like Britt Baker, she's just great on microphone. And just to see how she has embraced her persona. It's really, it's really cool to see.
2: I just am glad that they're making a point to let Eddie Kingston and John Moxley talk every week. That is an important thing when they're discussing the analytics guy, Tony Khan. And, uh, confused as to who is who in the acclaimed and like one's a rapper. I, everything about it. And that opening uh, rap from the, the acclaimed was also really good. And I thought it set the tone and I, I very much enjoyed uh, Kingston and Moxie. Do you think they're the, the ones that ultimately take the belts from the bucks or no?
3: Hmm. I don't know if they, I'd rather see a, a, a tag team that has been together, mm-hmm. take the belts from the bucks than a tag team put together for whatever reason take the belt. It's it's like you have this great tag team, the Bucks. I'd rather see another great tag team that has some some type of lineage, some type of history take Do the belt from mind? them. Mm, that's now not really. That's hard to say right now. I don't. And you put because face it, Moxley and Kingston together is like when you put Stone Cold and Rock together. Yeah. You put, you're putting two, which is fun and great and fans will have a good time, but how long are you going to keep them together? And how long can they hold the tag titles? You know it can't, these two guys, I mean, especially Moxley, as we know, is so good in singles. How long can he hold tag titles for and continue to do tag matches when you know this guy is like in his prime, a stud in singles wrestling action?
2: Well, I think you kind of have to because you want to keep him away from Omega and everything because he came up short and you don't want to, him to lose his Lester. So you just keep him away from the belt collector for as long as you can because it doesn't look good to just uh, go down and fall prey to Omega multiple times and you just kind of look like a goober. Um, so I think it's good. Short term wise. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Short term wise. If they get the belts on them, that's what will happen. I don't foresee a long tag title run if they do win those belts. But I just think that there are so many tag teams out there, and you have tag teams that have been. Yeah, I would have liked to. I really would have liked to see SCU win the belts and hmm. sort of end it when their title run ended. But it, it still was. The still was well done how they all set that whole thing up and, and went out like they did and, and put together outstanding efforts. But I would have liked to seen them I, win those tag titles. They're the ones that come to mind.
2: Hmm. Barcy Blonde had some good stuff, and I like the Pillman Jr. uh, quote from this week when they were backstage, and he was like, um, his lineage is not why he got into the wrestling business, it's why he stayed away for so long. I like that, I like that point that he made. Um,
3: Yeah, Pillman Jr. is real, I remember him in MLW, mm -hmm. and he was pretty good there. He needed work, but he was pretty good, and putting him with Davey Boy Smith Jr. and Teddy Hart, and he was able to learn from them, and then now making this transition to AEW, breaking off and doing his own thing, and tag team action. And it's uh, really good to see, really good to see. There's lot, so much talent, though. That's one thing with all these different wrestling groups and shows, when I when I look at it, the positive and negatives. Mm-hmm. The positives, at least, even with all this TV programming and different companies, and I even mentioned NWA Power gosh sakes now on fight tv and that's another one at least it's it's giving the talent places to work so when you see somebody get cut, when wwe has to make their cuts because let's face it you can't keep adding people to your roster no matter what company it is no matter what business it is and keep everybody and just grow it like that there's no way how do you have enough spots available for them and you have 100 people on the roster, and then you have 200 people on the roster, and then 300 people. You, no, you can't do that. So you have to make cuts. At least when they are making cuts, they have other places that they're going to and
2: Well, let's talk about that jobs. this week because they had some more cuts this week. One that should have been cut a a long time ago. Like, I, I still just cannot wrap my head around what took so long with Drake Wertz. Uh That should have been uh, a goner. A long time ago i don't uh, and that that situation looked it, it was pretty ugly and was pretty ugly for a long time but um what do you make of all the cuts that took place this week
3: just how to make them and and that's what happens and when you see talent being signed that's what i mean when you see talent being signed it's like great congratulations they signed them but you you think back well somebody's got to get caught if they're if if a company's adding more talent, and they have the same amount of TV time, same amount of shows, and you look at the scheduling now, scheduling should be picking up a little getting to house shows, and, and it's starting to get better with COVID, so we should, should hopefully start seeing that. But just how does any business or company hire some – Do you know any business that when there's a job opening, that job opening is because they're adding to the company rather than somebody left or got fired and they have to replace somebody? Usually that's what happens. You replace somebody to fill a position. There may be a new department developed and you have to hire new people. Mm -hmm. But more times than not, when you're hiring somebody, it's because somebody else left for a new job or they got fired. So it, it it really never surprises me when a company like a WWE is releasing talent. Because when I see the Performance Center class of 12 being signed, well, how do you you justify signing 12 and not releasing anyone? Because what are you going to do? Have them sit home, collect a paycheck to do nothing while wrestler X or Superstar X is busting his tail, working for the same amount of money. Well, actually, that's not fair to Wrestler X. It's somebody sitting at home getting the same money that he or she is getting when they're risking themselves or injury because they don't have anything for them. Is so he going to keep them at home and pay them? It just, it just to me, it doesn't make sense. Do I feel bad? Of course. Nobody likes to see anyone lose their job. But it just—but from a business standpoint in the profession and any company – you're gonna hire people well that means somebody's got to go so it doesn't surprise me when they make any of these cuts and and to me it didn't really surprise me the cuts that they made this time either i I don't there have been i think the one i think the one time of recent note is when they got rid of gals and anderson that's the one i was like hmm wow yeah i know they have to cut somebody but all the work they were doing and and what they were doing with AJ and I just thought they were they're really good on their promos they're a really good tag team they just they they know how to get under your skin I was surprised that one was a surprise to me I understood they had had to make cuts but it was the, the type of talent they cut that was the one that really surprised me out of all the recent ones within the last I guess we could say the last year
2: yeah yeah but we'll see what happens because I, I suspect once they're touring and once this is well behind us that they're just going to keep gobbling up talent all over again. And like that's something – But they – Yeah.
3: No, but they will. But that's the thing. That's my point. They're going to be keep signing talent. But when they do that, they got to release somebody.
2: Somebody's got to go. Well, they weren't go. doing that. Remember, like we had a long – I don't even remember how many year stretch where there were no cuts. Remember how it, just, it was they a normal thing? cut after WrestleMania.
3: But see, that's when I don't I don't remember that because I always remember after WrestleMania they always made cuts. Yeah. After and the reason, but they and stopped the doing that
2: was, for a long period of time. Do you remember that? Like see, there was like a four it. to five year stretch where they just didn't do it. They just retained all their talent. They just never cut anybody. They just didn't. That there was a long stretch. That's why it was so alarming when we saw just the the amount of cuts they had as Evles that they used to just not do this anymore.
3: I'm curious. I would love to go back and and just look at that and see if it was if it was that they didn't release anybody or if that we haven't seen people in so long that they released them and nobody knew anything about
1: it yeah that's a possibility too <laughs>
3: Or they got rid of all the Legends contracts, a lot of the Legends contracts, <laughs> where we where people are like, well, I don't know, whatever. They, well, what is that? I don't even know what that is. I can't do that. Because I still remember, I re- always remember them making cuts at some point, and especially when the Performance Center opened, and maybe not the first year, but a couple of years down the road, and they were bringing all this talent in now to be trained at the Performance Center, and then it's like, man, what are we going to do? We just... And then they start making cuts. And it's just, I mean, there's so much talent at that performance center right now Mm -hmm. that you're like, I mean, come on, Rick Steiner's kid is there. This uh, Parker, I don't know, I'm going to say, I'm going to butcher his last name. The Brock Lesnar guy, Parker. And there are are so many down there. Santana Garrett, who Santana had been on Impact Wrestling for a little bit. She did a couple of dark type matches for NXT and she's worked for the big companies outside of the major ones like a shimmer shine. She's went to Japan for stardom. She's hasn't really got any opportunity yet. She's been with the performance center NXT for a while now that she mm-hmm. was signed. And But there's so many, I'm just picking out a, that was only three. There's so much talent down there that hasn't had an opportunity yet to showcase and it's it's just it's just mind-boggling and that's why you can't but you can't sign everybody so you're going to have there's so much talent out there and you're seeing it at other places so from that standpoint that's a good thing because you have other places to showcase the talent
2: yeah we'll see we'll see what happens there um are you a Bronson Reed guy? Do you like that ending to NXT this week? Are you a Bronson Reed believer?
3: I do like him. I do like him. It's interesting what they're doing. I I think that it's interesting with WWE because they're so international, mm-hmm. global based. They like they that's one of the things they do. They will put the belt on somebody. They will put the championship on somebody from another country and it, it, it happened more when they were touring but i do like him i do like seeing him get an opportunity he's very well liked in the locker room he's one of those talents that pe- that the that the talent will rally around and he's a good worker he's an agile big man he's pretty good on the microphone He still, I mean, think about it, in NXT, he still is, hasn't been there a while, hasn't been there a long time. Well, has been with the company for a while, but hasn't been spotlighted for a while. So this is a a big opportunity. Did I see it this quick? No. I did see them having him in big spots. But I didn't see it this fast, happening this fast. Once he was on TV and then the time it took for him to build up and then get a title match and then win the title, I didn't see it happening that fast. But I do like him as a talent. And, I mean, come on. If you work with Johnny, there's certain, certain talent you work with, whether it be an Adam Cole, a Johnny Gargano, that you're going to look good. The, those guys are going to make. Not, take nothing away from Bronson, but when you have a match like with, with talent like that, it's going to help you immensely
2: it's the AJ your Styles elevation.
3: Effect. Yeah, there you go. The AJ Styles effect. That's an excellent point. Excellent point. When Undertaker had that match with AJ, I mean, Undertaker said in his interviews, man, he was getting tired, and they, and it was a good thing it was cinematic that they could take breaks and things like that. But still, working with AJ just helped him so much. Just and that and to me that's what happened here where Johnny helped him Johnny Gargano helped him so much
2: yeah which is not a negative it's uh, you you need no. a dance partner and there's nothing wrong right with exactly
3: that. It, it it isn't a negative and I and now we'll see now we'll see what he's going to do as a champion and see if this is it is it too much too soon well we'll we'll soon find out
2: we will we will um are you at all concerned that AEW moving from TNT to TBS because it seems like it's going to be mostly fine and not having the sports interruptions and stuff like that. Um, still, uh, they just move over a little bit. I don't think it will be all that big of a deal, but it does feel kind of <laughs> to me I, like yeah, the TNT WCWAW thing was just something really cool. And the callback and now TBS is uh, it's fine. But uh, do, you, do you have any strong opinions on that or do you think it'll be uh, the ratings will be ultimately the same?
3: I think the ratings will ultimately be the same. TBS yeah. does have a larger audience than TNT, but I still think the audience... I think just... It's it's not AEW on TNT. It's not AEW on TBS. It's mm-hmm. not AEW on Fox. It's not AEW on USA Network. It's AEW. Yeah. And I just think, as long as they're on a cable channel or network that fans can get and fans can get TBS. It's still part of Warner Media. They'll be fine. I don't think that matters. I think, like you said, it's a good point where, look, you have NBA on TNT. You have NHL will be on TNT now. We see what's happening. So now that the Warner Media got the contract for the NHL next season, and you don't have to worry about it. The only thing that TBS has is MLB, but MLB is Sundays. Mm-hmm. They're on Sundays, and during the day. So when it comes to playoff time, then you might have to move it around. But that won't be too bad. It won't be too long. When you have Wednesday MLB baseball at night for the playoffs, then you'll have to work AW around that schedule on for Rampage on Fridays and Dynamite on Wednesdays. But it'll be a small block. Now, I mean, next season – You'll have NBA. NBA is on all week anyway, but they're not on Wednesdays on TNT. NHL does have Wednesday programming, so I'm expecting NHL on TNT on Wednesdays. So now you don't have to, but then you have both postseasons to worry about. You've got the NBA postseason, and now next year the NHL postseason to with Warner Media, so on their TNT channels and other channels. So you have more to concern yourself with. On TBS, you only have the baseball. And it's summertime playoffs, so you're talking, well, actually not summertime, because that's regular season, and that's Sundays, so Sunday afternoons, you don't have to worry about that. Playoff time, which will be October, October, November, what, we, we got September, late September, October. I guess October is really uh, the playoff time for MLB playoffs on TBS. That'll be the time you'll see some shows maybe have to move to other days or times when they're showing it for next year. But that's really, you got to pick your poison, so to speak. So NHL and NBA on TNT or MLB on TBS? And now you just have MLB and you'll have AEW on TBS. So it'll be more of a sports focus with TBS having just those two. And, and that's good. It'll make it easier to move around and switch things up and scheduling. Another thing you got to remember, too, NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs almost overlap each other. So there's going to be a lot of programming on Warner Media channels next postseason for those sports. So they have a lot of channels. So, plus Warner Media and Discovery Now are supposed to be merging next year. So that means they're going to have more channels to work with. When that happens, so if let's even say an AW had to move somewhere, well, gosh, you got like 25 different channels that you can get that you could put it on just in case you do have to move it off that channel if you can't keep it on TBS for that week. Hey, we're going to be, Dynamite's going to be on True TV on Wednesday at 8 if we can't move it to Thursday on TBS, whatever it is. You're going to have a lot of options with that type of merger. It's interesting because I've been following that for a while, especially when the NHL was looking, because I remember when the NHL was originally, it was NBC that was really involved in re-signing the NHL. And NBC Sports Network, NBCSN, which was where you would get your Wednesday night hockey, NBC was dissolving that network. So that's why all the talk was, uh-oh, if NHL re-signs with NBC, they're going to bring their Wednesday Night Hockey over to USA Network. At the time, AEW was on Wednesday nights on USA. up oh, AEW's going to have to move or they're going to have to put them on another channel in the NBC family of channels. But then it all worked out anyway because NHL decided they're not going to sign with NBC and and there you have it. They end up signing them with Warner Media. And then all the talk with AEW started because it was the same thing. What's going to happen now with Wednesday nights, TNT, they're going to be on there. So I just think it was good. A couple of things were good. I thought it was good. AEW moved to Tuesday nights. Yeah. Because now you can watch. Well, sorry. Right. Yeah. Thank you. NXT moved to Tuesday nights on USA Network. So now they didn't go head to head. And you saw the bump in ratings for both shows, which was great. And then I like the fact that when AEW announced that they were gonna have Rampage as their n- new show and it was gonna be on Friday nights, that it was gonna be on ten o'clock at night and not overlap with SmackDown on But are you gonna watch Bob. Rampage
2: every night on uh, Friday night? Are you gonna really do three hours of pro wrestling on Friday nights, Jim?
3: I do it on Monday night. Yeah. I do it, it on Monday night with Raw. So Friday night it will be. So usually my, my routine would be mm-hmm. on Friday nights. I'm gonna have to change the routine when that happens. My Friday routine would be SmackDown and Fox 8 to 10. Then on the computer, I would put on <laughs> I would put on 205 Live.
2: No, you um, don't.
3: Now Peacock. Oh yeah. No. And
2: I'd you have don't. that on the
3: computer. But on the TV, I would have blue bloods. I love blue bloods. <laughs> <laughs> on CBS, every Friday night, ten o'clock. Incredible! I love the drama, of blue bloods. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it has not. For those that don't know it, has nothing to do with William Regal or Lord Steven Taylor,
4: uh-huh. and,
3: and uh, or Paul Levesque.
4: <laughs> Incredible! The,
3: the original blue blood it has nothing to do with any of them. So, uh, but that yeah, that would be my Friday. So now my Friday night routine will be SmackDown and, and then Rampage from ten to eleven. I guess. I still have 205 Live on the computer just to take a look here and there. <laughs> so, Friday nights, it'll be the end of Blue Bloods. I'll have to, you know what I'll do? I'll have to watch Blue Bloods. Uh, I'll have to either DVR it or watch it on the uh, CBS app. Sometimes they show, I think they show it there as well. So, I can watch it at some point, sometime. <laughs> Blue Bloods, they don't have any pay per view, so you can't catch up. You have to watch each show on its own.
2: That's funny. Um, last thing we'll wrap up here, Jim. Your winners and losers from WrestleMania Backlash. Who do you, who do you think came out looking the best or your uh what what did you like most about the show? What did you like least?
3: Well, let's see. Go through all the the different scenarios there that uh well Roman Reigns just, um, you know what? I just really. Bianca Belair getting the win mm. over Bailey. I, that, you know what? I have to, cause I'm not trying to process all of it and what went down and what happened. All right, so Bianca Belair getting the win over Bailey. Look, now she has a win over Sasha. She has a win over Bailey, two of the top stars in the company, the two stars that were basically carrying the company because you had Becky Lynch on maternity leave and you had Charlotte Flair who wasn't back yet. So you had, and now she. Do beat you think they're saving top- Becky
2: for the in-person return, like when the crowds are all back? Do you think she would come back now if it wasn't for the Thunder and no, Because that's something I think. I know we know that's true with Lesnar. I, I think they're probably saving Becky too, right?
3: Yeah, I think they're saving them. I do. I think they're saving them. Yeah, it, to me, that makes a little more sense to do it that way and have them come – because you want that reaction. Mm-hmm. You do want that. and You know you're going to get that huge reaction. So I just think that's smart. And, and you don't – and with what who they have now, mm-hmm. you have Charlotte Flair back, and it's they have enough of –
2: She's been on fire really by the way. Really good talent. Her promos, yeah, she has. Over the last month of just. Her promos are
3: great. Months. Yeah, I mean, she's great. I love this. I love this persona where everyone's jealous of me, and I'm, I'm the top one, and I'm the star, and I'm the one everyone's coming to see, and and just being better than everybody else, and doing it that way. She really comes across while well doing that. I mean,
2: she would be my favorite wrestler of all time if she would have pointed out over the last couple of weeks that Rhea Ripley and Oscar just don't have chemistry, and she's here to save the chemistry problem between the two of them. Like, just call it out. (laughs) These two, you can't figure it out. You can't do it. I got to step in here because the fans, they can't handle those two anymore because they stink together. (laughs) It's so weird that they're so bad together, but they're so great individually. I'll never understand how that works, but it goes back to our dance partner thing where sometimes it it doesn't work. The chemistry's not there.
3: Right. Sometimes the chemistry's not there. You could take two really good talents and put them together, and it just, for whatever reason, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So... But I think, going back to that, I think Bianca Belair really did a really good job. And I like the Bobby Lashley. See, we've gotten so much of Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, and Braun Strowman that it was as good as it was going to get. Because you know they all could just beat each other up. And they'll and they'll all take a good beating, too. Mm-hmm. They like to get physical. I thought that was okay. I thought that was okay. Cesaro getting his spot I thought was good. But when you go into things, you're like – see, when Daniel Bryan was fighting Roman Reigns, there was – to me, it was like, well, you know, maybe. But Cesaro, I was like, all right, this is his spot. This is his –
2: Oh, Jim. Not gonna be, Jim. He's not
3: going to win. Jim. He's not going to win. Roman Reigns is not, not
2: getting pinned no, for at exactly least another mean. year. Like, we're yeah. looking at well, uh, yeah, a long, long time down well, the line.
3: You know what? Yes. But with Daniel Bryan, it's, it's the perception. It's the perception. Daniel Bryan in there, let's say, shock, Brock Lesnar beats Undertaker. Mm-hmm. And, or Roman Reigns beats Undertaker. That shock factor. Yeah. It's like, especially Brock Lesnar beating Undertaker. It's like, no way, no way, no way. But, when you have someone like Daniel Bryan in a match, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like you, why could they take the title off Roman? He's so hot right now. Just him and Heyman and what they're doing with Jey Uso and, oh, well, now Jimmy, too. But, it's just like, how did they take the belt? Well, well then I'm thinking, oh. <laughs> well, no, well, you don't. You don't, and that's true. But I'm thinking, well, if they did, it would be like a it would be like a one night thing or a very short turnaround of something happening. But they kind of did that with Drew, and that didn't really
2: do anything either. Well, it did,
3: but that's but that was but yeah, but Drew wasn't as hot as Roman. And when you're when you're he's on fire. And the thing is, but my point is that when you see Daniel Bryan there, it's like. but Cesaro is like, nah, this isn't, ha- this isn't happening. It, it's not, I mean, good for him. Have a good match. Do that. This will be good. But it, you know that the title's not changing hands at all. It's not. And, no. and you just, so you look at it and like that, and it's like, oh, okay. So I sort of like looked at that going in as... Good for Cesaro, but bad for Cesaro too, so that was nice. Well, I think a lot that of guys that we like
2: that on SmackDown one. are just going to run into this wall. Like, it's just, it, Roman, I think, elevates you to an extent, but it's also just like there's there's no, there's a limitation to what uh, Hot Axe can do on on the blue brand right now. And then you have gender Ball, yeah, who's it. just uh, getting ready to lead Monday Night Raw into 2022. <laughs> like, who's not excited <laughs> about that? Yeah, um, well.
3: I guess. <laughs> again, the international mm-hmm. market when it opens up again <laughs> you'll see that. The WWE is so big. I, I'm I'm when this whole COVID thing starts to get better mm-hmm. and better and better and we settle in, I see the company even taking a bigger international push than what they have. You and, need to do an
2: international push and put on a good product. Like, that will come naturally. Like, The Rock becoming an international superstar came naturally. You, don't, you can just uh, become huge in bigger markets, like Roman Reigns being big in bigger markets. Like, it's not... I don't know. I don't know why WWE does that, where they think that, like... I
3: think their mindset... But here's their mindset. Yeah. I think their mindset moving forward is, if we're going to be in India, yeah. we're going to need an, a talent from India...
2: You have him, Two. Roman Reigns. That dude is already there. Like, look at the, I guarantee the numbers there is just, he's going to overwhelm whoever you put in there. Like, it doesn't, it, he's the biggest star there. And I guarantee you his, uh, his reactions when you post uh, in India, and in the content in India, that he is number one there. I, I would guess that it's not even close.
3: There are certain superstars who will resonate to different areas. That is so true. Rey Mysterio. So many fans everywhere it's just there are certain ones, like you said, Roman reigns now will resonate, but here's what I believe is happening, and not just in pro wrestling mm-hmm. slash sports entertainment, is the fact that analytics are playing so are playing so much into what a company does Hmm. And where it's going?
2: Yeah, Raw and is built for YouTube. Raw is a YouTube show where they have clips. They do get their do their segments that they can pull for seven minute uh, segments on YouTube, and that's it. That Raw is literally a YouTube program.
3: That's interesting. You mention YouTube because WWE's segments, mm-hmm. Raw included. Wow, the numbers. Yep. You think? Well, people are watching on TV. You they're not going to do much on YouTube. But you know what? Those segments. And they broke it up into those small segments. Right? They get massive amount of, of hits on there. They don't clicks, likes, etc. That's why they're the views, not worried. They're going to get their YouTube, views. So.
2: Like even if ratings are, they views. Gonna, they're getting their views somewhere.
3: But those analytics, what, what's going to happen is, or what is happening, the analytics of what uh, the analytics for what country for that country that's what i'm saying the analytics for that country it's going to lend itself to a talent that's the reason why wwe opened in the uk that's why wwe is opening in india wwe will be opening in more places and creating more homegrown talent in those places because of what the analytics are telling them yeah so this is not a surprise to me. It's not going to affect our show in the U.S. per se. It's just going to be more for that global interaction in that country. Like, oh, I got to think, because he was just on the, the main roster now, Mansoor. Yeah. Mansoor, they pushed him. Your guy, 205 when they Live
2: legend. Yeah, that's true.
3: <laughs> that is true, by the way, 205 Live guy. He, and, and that was an example of the analytics of bringing him over to the country Mm -hmm. and having him shine there, but yet he's really not shining anywhere else. Then he would, then on 205 Live, he got some rub. So, and now he's on the main roster, but if, if if WWE wasn't using its analytics and, and pushing that global envelope, I don't know what Mansoor would be doing right now. And it's, it's interesting to see someone like that because I see there could be potential for him. Mm. But what we can't put we can't put the stardom on him right now that the company had elevated him to when they when they actually when he went to his country and wrestled. So you'll see more of that especially when this touring starts up yeah. again and when they go to the international and, it, and look, it's not anything new either, but I think you're going to see more of it. And I think that global presence and that signing of talent international will mirror where WWE is globally marketing. And we're going to see more of it. And it's, it's going to be the next step in the elevation of the company
2: absolutely Jim what can we check out from you at the Miami Herald this week
3: I have let's see I did speak to uh, Katerina formerly winter with impact wrestling Chris oh, okay. with Wow and Katie Lee Burchill from her WWE days and she is in a documentary the other side of the ring And it is about women's wrestling, and she is one of the four main figures. Shelly Martinez and Keita Rush and Delilah Doom are the four that are featured. And three of the four are from WOW Women's of Wrestling, and then Shelly's been all over the place. Shelly Martinez has done a lot in the wrestling industry. So it's a pretty good documentary. So we did a video interview with Katharina, and she's in California. She's an actress. She's a writer. She has directed small-budget film, and she really got into the Hollywood aspect of it. She's from Germany, also England, and she's very big in acting in the theater and just fell into pro wrestling, and she talks a little bit about that as well. But I got to see the documentary. It's out today, actually. And it's really well done, really well put together. 81 minutes, so not too long. (laughs) And and it was uh, just a good inside look at what the women had to go through to become professional wrestlers and what's going on today. They really had a nice grouping of women's wrestlers to interview, to spotlight, because of different levels of their careers. So you had older veteran talent and younger talent, so you get a good mix. And that was so I did that, and also I did some MMA. I've been doing a lot of MMA the last several years, too. So Bellator is a big show on Friday Night and Showtime. So two of the stars, two of the fighters on that Bellator show train an American Top Team here in Coconut Creek in South Florida, Austin Vanderford, and also Valerie Lureta. And so I did some video interviews at American Top Team and a story on them and getting ready for their fight coming up on Friday, which will be on Showtime. And the Austin, everyone knows Austin because his wife is Paige Van Zant, And Paige was in USC. UFC, now she's in the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships, and she's been on Food Network, she was on Dancing with the Stars, she finished second there. She's just done so much, and she's young still. And there's She even went and visited the WWE Performance Center in Orlando because Triple H and Stephanie and that whole group are are interested in her, and she's interested in WWE. So if something can be worked out, who knows? Austin, on the other hand, has no interest in cooking, dancing, bare-knuckle fighting, or WWE. He just wants to focus on MMA So did something there, and Valerie's an up-and-comer. She's four and zero. She's an actual taekwondo master from Miami. So talk to her about her journey so far. Very young. She's a young entrepreneur. She's she wants to be. She's a broadcast major at the University of Florida as well. And it's just uh, two good stories, two good fighters, and got. Uh, I think that basically that was it for what's. Coming up, I have some things I'm working on. I'm working on something with The Miz, working on something with AEW. Their first show with fans back will be in Miami, actually, for AEW Dynamite, I should say. AEW Dynamite traveling, because, yes, they have fans up in Jacksonville. But AEW Dynamite touring, their first show will be coming up in Miami when they start back on the road for their Dynamite show. And I just spoke to Jim Ross because he did something with his Jim Ross used to do a radio show back in the early '90s for a radio station in Atlanta, and what they decided to do through Conrad Thompson, the podfather of podcasts, Jim Ross does JR Grilling podcast with Conrad, and Conrad does a lot of different podcasts with some of the wrestling legends, Arn Anderson, Jeff Jarrett, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, JR, what they decided to do was. Take the old tapes of those radio shows back in the 90s and make that their own spotlight, their own podcast, if you will. And so you can hear JR's old archive classic interviews with some of the talent back then, who were stars back then and now legends that he spoke to. And they're making that available. So we did an audio interview, I did an audio interview with him talking about those back in the 90s and what happened, and then that was before he started working with WWE, and then some of the different interviews that he did, so keeping busy with that as well, that was something just posted that I uh, finished, so there was a lot going on, a lot coming up, doing some more MMA, I've got some more MMA on Friday, some more interviews tomorrow to do, so uh, we have I'll tell you what, we have such there's, between American Top Team, Sanford MMA, and MMA Masters in Miami, we have three well-known, world-renowned MMA training facilities where we have a ton of fighters, ton of great coaches, champions that are in this area. And they all, for whatever reason, South Florida has become a hotbed for MMA training. And there's a lot going on down here. And that was one of the reasons, too, why I, I've been an MMA fan for a while, but started doing more covering MMA because of just the area itself down here and just how it's grown with mma training and fighting so yeah a lot of things going on always something going on every week so just have to uh just keep up with everything and twitter and on miamiherald.com we have a fighting page post everything there and everything on Twitter. I put everything there and even update Facebook and just keep up. And YouTube, too, as well. I do my interviews. I usually I'll always put my audio-video interviews on my YouTube channel as well. So just uh, keep up with a lot of different things. And thanks for having me on, as always, and taking the time and, and letting me talk about some of the things I have upcoming as well.
2: Absolutely. Jim, it's always great talking pro wrestling with you. I greatly appreciate you making the time. Uh, we will talk pro wrestling again very soon
3: all right thank you much we'll see everybody at the matches when everyone's will start coming back they'll have fans (laughs) at matches it's going good yes (laughs) absolutely absolutely nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah